Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Buzz! 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 Welcome in to another exciting edition of At The Buzzer. We are once again, always and forever, a Ralphie Report podcast that covers all of Colorado athletics. Um, you know, we've said it's exciting every time because it has been exciting every time, at least until since um the end of November when a certain someone was hired to see you's head football coach. It's been fun to record. Um, and that remains true for this episode. I am one half of your hosts, Jack, of course, always, and the other half of our hosts, Sam, is also here. Hello, Sam. Hi, Jack. Both wearing um, home field things, or at least one person is wearing home field things today. Um, we had a promo code. I don't think it works anymore, but go buy the stuff still and see you stuff especially, please. We're also not getting free stuff from them anymore. <laughs> don't don't uh, reveal the game, dude. Um, <laughs> so we have quite a bit to cover. See you basketball season continues to march on. I will say labor's on after a tough road trip that really wasn't that unexpected, but we want to talk about what happened within that trip, of yeah, course. And, and they didn't look that bad, to be honest, but we'll get into that. Yes, we will get into that. Um, the huge recruiting updates, and I'm a recruiting guy. You know I'm a recruiting guy, so I'm going to drag Sam along in that journey with me. We want to talk about J.R. Payne's surging Colorado Buffaloes, who drops top 10 teams like they're nothing. Um was there anything else I'm missing right there? Was that the main ones? No, I wasn't listening. Cool. Um, <laughs> I think those are the three main ones. Um, so let's go ahead and kick it off. It seems like we both are chomping at the bit to talk about this L.A. road trip. So let's start on the basketball side of things. Um, Colorado's record is not that pretty to look at right now. Um, but of the losses they've taken this year, like you said, I'll just start really short and let you go into it. I these two losses were not two that I was that upset by, but you you go ahead. Well, okay, so well we start with USC, mm-hmm. um, which ended up being a sixty-eight sixty-one loss, and CU was within like I think one point with like a mm-hmm. minute and a half yes. left, three points within with the two minutes left, and they made a free throw. Yeah, two um, I mean, yeah, like CU, like they they showed up, uh, unlike they have previously. Um, yep. They played hard. They played really solid defenses all around. Yep. And uh, we had some solid performances from around the floor, mostly Lawson Levering. And then Javon Ruffin played great. Yeah. Um, and as I'm sure you're going to get into it, um, we had good play that was kind of undone by turnover issues, uh, which kind of showed us that even if you play well, hit, hit a good amount of shots, you're not going to win on the road against a good team if you're that sloppy with the ball. Um, yeah, that just can't happen. Um, you know, my pull away, I did both recaps for these games. My pull away stat for the LA road trip is in, in two games, CU had 42 turnovers mm. and these are two good teams. You cannot do that against two good teams on the road and win. You just can't. Um, and it makes it frustrating to watch because like you said, I think they actually played pretty well on the USC game. Um, you know, I, I have more specific thoughts as well, but um, your top two players in that game, are, in every game, CU this year is going to have to rely on KJ Simpson and Tristan De Silva for offense. Those are the two guys that bring offense. And against you, and against USC, KJ Simpson and Tristan De Silva combined for 13 turnovers. Um, 
Um, so when also, your two engines do that, that's not okay. Uh, more importantly about the turnovers is not just committing 42 turnovers. It's committing live ball turnovers. Yep. Um, USC had 12 Point steals. Breaks. Yep. Yeah. So USC had 12 steals. UCLA had 15 steals. Yep. That's disgusting. Um, and with, and with the USC game, a lot of like USC's early, uh, like their early points were coming off mostly KJ Simpson losing the ball. Yep. Uh, just because he couldn't deal with the the on ball pressure. Yep. That you see, USC was bringing. I think that was was that Kobe Johnson who was guarding him. Who was that? Kobe Johnson was the main guy. Um, they yeah. had Drew Peterson on him for uh, like a few possessions every once in a while, and Boogie Ellis was kind of hidden for a good yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, like that was the killer. And then, see, you kind of got back into it mostly because Javon Ruffin carried the offense on the first half. He did. Um, and then, I mean, like it wasn't a great offensive showing, but it was okay. Yeah. It was fine. Lost and Lovering was great. That's okay. Um, that's that's what I, I want to mention. I, I know I'm teasing that, but I don't want to get into that just yet. And then again, like like later on in the game, like CU did have pretty decent control of the game. Mm-hmm. And then uh kind of came undone at the end again because yeah. of the same live ball turnover issue. Um, can I can I ask for a proposition, a rule for De Silva? Yeah. He gets three dribbles. That's it. He gets three dribbles. I anything else in a possession and it's gonna be a turnover. I think yeah, well, he only needs one dribble to get from the three point line to the to the rim. I and I know that, yeah. And he has a beautiful Euro step when he gets downhill. But give him give him two and let him go to work. But the second that he starts pounding the rock, bad things happen. People know that his handle's a little loose. I think that's like the next step for him offensively. We've both talked about how smooth he makes offense look. And he didn't have the best road trip, but you know, he still takes good shots, I think. He flows well within the offense, I think. And finds himself in weird spots for the defense to guard him. But if you get him dribbling, USC got him dribbling and just attacked that. And they got so many picks off of that. It's just, you, you, please don't dribble right now. Let, let KJ do the dribbling. I also want to talk about the difference in turnovers, too. Um, where, like, De Silva was just pickpocketed, and that's not good. I think Simpson gets turnovers partially because he's handling the ball so much. And partially because, like, he's doing aggressive passes that don't work out. But I'll take that over what I would call careless passes. I see this sometimes crop up with, like, Hammond and Clifford of just, like, passing around the perimeter and it's easily telegraphed and they do it anyways. It's just – it's it's frustrating to watch. Yeah, I, I have some uh, thoughts on careless passes, but I'll save that for the UCLA side. Yeah, well, so, yeah, let's oh. save the loss and lovering discussion for the very end. I, any, oh, any no, other I want to do thoughts? it now here. I okay. want to do it here okay. because – Oh, yeah, so this was Lawson's best game probably of his career so far against Ab- USC. Absolutely, correct? absolutely. Yeah. Um, sorry, my mouse is messing up. So 13 points, 14 rebounds, yep. seven offensive rebounds. Um, and the, the offensive rebounds, that he was mostly just being smart, waiting for Josh Morgan of USC to just chase blocks the entire game because that's what that dude does. Yep. And, like, Morgan was just leaving, lovering in the paint. Yep. And Lovering is being seven foot one uncontested, just easy, easy, easy rebound. But um, I it, but don't, yeah, okay. It was very smart of Lawson, and he did do a good job putting himself in that position and reading the ball. What were you going to say to push back? You can say, like, yeah, it was just easy rebounds because he's seven one on the other side, but I don't know, man. Tristan De Silva is six eight to six ten. He doesn't rebound like he's six eight to six ten. It is a skill rebounding like your size, I think. Um, and I also think it's good scouting that Lawson Lovering did that. I think it's um, – he also is good at finding a body, way better at finding a body than any of the other bigs currently on the roster. Um, and I don't <laughs> – I don't know what it is, but I wish Lawson Lovering could play against five stars every time. USC has two seven-foot five stars. Josh Morgan, one of them, and the other one, I'm forgetting the name, but he's a freshman whose first game back was this game. So not that fair to say that he's like an impact player. Yeah. But he's a Vincent, huge dude that can move. Yes. Huge dude that can move. He has bodies. And we'll talk about this a little bit in the UCLA side as well. But Lawson Lovering is is developing. We've defended him once again. This is Lawson Lovering at Brendan Lewis Podcast. We defended Lawson Lovering against what I would consider unjust criticism. Hard to criticize him this road trip because he's not the one um, making those turnovers. And he actually caught the ball against the USC team. That makes it hard to catch the ball. Has some crazy good finishes in traffic against the USC team. That there was has three of them defense. that I really wanted to highlight. There was one that he he had a little floater 
mm-hmm. in the lane that was just beautiful, like the eight foot floater. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he had one where he faked right and then went for a lefty little jump hook. That was mm-hmm. beautiful. And then he just had another little lefty jump hook. I was like, oh my god. Also had a so pretty big nice. dunk in this one, but he. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, he dunked on Hakez in the next game too. Yes, he's getting more confident there. Defensively, he was already confident, and you know, in person, I. I've said this before. It's just so impressive to watch him direct the defense can in one-on-one against two seven footers. He apparently just neutralizes them fully. Like in fall, like Dante took out all his frustrations playing against Boston Lovering against Arizona and Arizona has a really good front court. Omar Bello and um, Azulos Tabellas are probably the best front court in the country. Did not matter because in fall, Dante destroyed them. He got four points or whatever against Lovering. The dude is a defensive powerhouse and is learning the offensive side of the ball. Just to push back, uh, who is Purdue's four? Like, who's their power forward? Are you going to say it? I have no clue. Okay, I because no I think clue. Zach Ide and me would be the best front court in basketball <laughs> this year. Um, yeah, you okay, can also, but, I guess, make a cha- uh, uh, case for Oscar Shibwe and um, oh, Clark on Kentucky, but I don't know. I mean, yeah. Um, and I love Drew... Uh, I love Anton Watson with Drew Timmy. I just like Anton Watson. I think he's um, What were you saying? I, I think Watson Lovering is really good, and I think this road trip was um, a, a good, a, a easier-to-see display of that goodness. Like, it, I don't know. It's been hard to see how good he's been earlier this year because off-ball um, defense and, like, defensive assignments aren't sexy, and they don't – it's not – it's hard to see unless you're, like, there. Um but this one is pretty easy to see as a big man. Like, oh, yeah, this guy is, is a problem. Um, and he, he kept seeing you in the game defensively for a lot of the first half. I thought. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I want to – my last point thing, or the last thing I have to say is that CU's defense was pretty good in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, the only issue was, again, like a lot of those turnovers just got out into transition. And then uh, Boogie Ellis, Drew Peterson, Trey White, they all hit like some really tough shots uh, in crunch time. So it's like not much you can do about it. And Andy Enfield did do a good job scheming up ways of getting into the lane with cuts, but uh, overall, so you had a good defensive game. So it's tough. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I agree with you. And once again, scouting on point. Um, usually, CU's pretty pretty good at scouting these other teams. But yeah, um, my segue into the UCLA game. You're good with that. Um. I'm going to give you a combined stat line of a player, okay? 35 okay. minutes played total. Five points. Uh, one block, one steal, two assists. And how many rebounds? Two rebounds. I know who this is. Yeah? Yeah. Me Clifford. Has to be. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it, was a, it was a Not okay. That's not okay. Man. Um, Everyone sucked on offense against UCLA, except for Javon again. I am falling in love with Ruffin. We've talked about him oh, yeah. glowingly before, but he Hammond is is up and down as a two guard. I wanted to be more consistent, and his turnovers were just unacceptable on this trip. But Ruffin is turning into that dude too of just like you throw him in there with the second unit. He can shoot some. I like his confidence. Um, I like that he attacks dudes who have fouls. That seems to be a skill that not a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. Um, he had some nasty finishes. Yes. My God. He had a little yeah. lefty scoop from the right side. Yeah. Filthy. Yeah, dude. He's uh, he's exactly what I want as a backup guard or whatever you want to call that. Um, and... I, I I love his shooting, of course. His shot is super flat, and it never looks like it's going to go in, but it does go in, um, which is fun. I don't know. It's I, I, I think he's going to uh, to continue to blossom. Once again, this is really kind of his freshman year. You can call him a retro freshman, but he was so hurt last year. It's hard for him to practice, hard for him to play. So um, he's going to keep getting better. Yeah. Uh, was that kind of the only positive offensively in the UCLA game? Uh, God, <laughs> what a rock fight that was, man! Holy crap! Did you get this? Did you get the sense that Mick Cronin and Tab Boyle both wore their billowy pants, uh, in that game because 
they were both just so ha- excited about how that first half went. I got a feeling that's that's why they do that. <laughs> they Mick Cronin kind of has us though, because it's like we're playing the same style. It's just his players are better. Um, it's kind of tough. Yeah, well, exactly. But that's I think. Don't you think that after the first half, both teams were just like that was both coaches were like that was <laughs> sick. No one scored a point. That, oh, you're that saying was they awesome. have the billowy pants. Uh, so you can't see any hard-ons? Okay, yes. I get it. Um, <laughs> uh, 21 turnovers in this one, 15 steals for UCLA. And not like those weren't just like steals, just whatever. Like on the drive, you get pickpocketed. Those were CU gets a rebound, turns, and a UCLA player just steals it from them. Um, I think like... Okay, okay, okay. So the overall recap of this game, right? Rock fight. CU has the early lead. I think they're winning 29-20. Mm-hmm. And then they have the halftime lead, 31-28. And then with 10 minutes to go, uh, CU's winning something like 44-35. to uh, Really solid, like, great defense all around up until that point. Uh, they have control. Again, if you're leading by nine in a really low-scoring game with 10 minutes left, you're in really good shape. And then CU, who is already struggling with turnovers, just completely fucking fell apart. Like, completely. Yep. yep. Um, a lot of those turnovers were, again, on the UCLA side of the court, which is, like, a horrendous way to lose the ball. Because I think, like, like when UCLA had 33 points, I think more than half of those points were immediately off turnovers or offensive rebounds. Uh, not Like, very few of those points were actually created in, like, by the offense against the defense. The only thing that they had was Hakez cooking Javon Hadley. Um, yep. And some of these turnovers, were, I mean, they were all gas. Though, but, uh, I had three that I wanted to point out. <laughs> One of them, Luke O'Brien just had the ball in the corner and for no reason just threw it to the top of the key. Tiger Campbell just steps in, steals it, because it's the easiest steal he had all season. Yep. And then uh, two minutes later, Luke O'Brien posted up Jaime Jaquez, got completely stonewalled. I had love no it, idea. He had no idea what to do with the ball. It's the like confidence. he just threw it. He just threw it to a UCLA player who went in for the easy fast break. The confidence, dude. Yeah. And then the last really bad turnover. Well, uh, Javon Ruffin had a horrible turnover too at the end. Uh, and then Ethan Wright got a rebound and then started dribbling it and immediately got like Wolfed by Jaime Hakez. So it's yep. like when when your teammates are calling out Wolf when someone's chasing behind you and you just don't see the guy, that's tough. These were all just like egregious. Yeah, I I mean, so watching the UCLA game, number one, it was disgusting. UCLA missed a lot of threes that they normally would probably hit in the first half, so you knew that would come back. But also, C was turning the ball over like mad, and you thought, oh, maybe they'll they'll get that going. Um. They did not, so whoops. But um, I came away from that game, and really the main thought in my head, and you had a lot of really good points right there, but the main thought in my head was I cannot – I it's a, it's a double mix of I can't wait to never play Jaime Hawkes again, and I'm really sad I never get to watch Jaime Hawkes play again, at least in the college level. The guy is just – I just love watching him play. I oh, love you mean, you mean after watching this year? Him play because we'll yes. see him live in person uh february 28th or something or 26th yeah but it's well that's true but i just am you know i just oh, he's so good he kept did, ucla in the game did you say his stat line while i was frozen out because no i did not say his nasty. Stat line. 23 points 13 rebounds five blocks four steals two assists gross that's gross. Yeah, I. Uh, oh God, he's so good. And there was that Luke O'Brien post-up possession where he blocked Luke like three times cleanly, and then got the ball and his stupid turnaround J that like worked every time. Oh man, just um, crazy. How how could CU have won this game, like? Just keep a level head and not lose the ball so often. 
Uh, I think CU wins this game if another guy that I'm not, I'm happy to not play again. If Tiger Campbell didn't completely shut down KJ Simpson, which I think happened. KJ mm-hmm. Simpson was a little bit, I, it felt like he was pinned in this game in a way that I, you know, he wasn't as aggressive, couldn't really explode to the rim like he normally wants to. And part of that's just UCLA's defensive scheming is always pretty good, but Tiger Campbell can usually keep up with KJ. That's a good matchup for KJ. Um, and the other guards are so long that it's, I don't know, it's hard for CU to uh, to go against that. So I think CU wins this game if, if KJ can could do what he normally does. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it does look like a blowout. CU lost by 14. Um, but again, like, CU really, like, they had a pretty decent lead not too long. Uh, UCLA went on a 10-0 scoring run to take the lead, and then that turned into a 17-0 run. And that mm-hmm. turned into a thirty-one to five run to end the game, basically. Um, yep. I I honestly think like 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 remember that collapse against Utah a few years ago where we were winning by like twenty with ten minutes left, and CU was just committing yes. turnover yes, after turnover, I do. and it's like if if CU had just held the ball and taken shot clock violations every possession, they would have won that game. This. Yes. Feels a little bit similar in the sense that, like, I think, like, obviously KJ getting shut down hurts, but they were winning even with the offense just being completely gross. And if they had just held the ball just enough to get a shot attempt in the last 10 minutes, I think that they have a good chance, especially when you consider that the defense fell apart because of. The end. Like they got, like they lost everything. Um, yeah, they. I, I, I think we actually game, had a really good chance of a top ten upset on the road. I think so too for thirty minutes of that game at least. But I, it's just this team is frustrating to watch sometimes too. It's growing, but in a way that's annoying. And there, there are obvious, in my opinion, people who are growing in the way I want them to. Um, but they're obvious. I think there's really easy blemishes to see, especially this game. I don't know, man. It's uh, it's it's hard to see, watch them sometimes when they just throw the ball away and therefore throw the game away, um, which is what's happening. So I don't know. It's this whole season is in the shadow of next season. We've said that every time. Next season is uh, looking to be more and more exciting. Um, so. It's kind of like this early McKinley Wright years when you just wanted to see Tyler Bay do some cool stuff, McKinley Wright do some cool stuff, Evan Batty um, do some nice things, and then you wanted to see Schwartz do what he does and then hopefully get a win. Yeah, I, I, I want to view this season like that, but these are not, like, these are not freshmen. They, like, KJ is a sophomore. He's a second, like, it's his first year starting. Tristan, it's his first year with a major role, but we don't really have that much time left with these players, to be honest. Well, and, it was, I mean, they weren't they weren't going to make a tournament in McKinley Wright's class until his junior year, and then COVID happened, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. like, but, 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 the other thing is, you can't do that. You can do that, but you can't, I should say, we're also letting someone off the hook a little bit here because CU is also recruited at a higher level overall than they did mm-hmm. back then. So like, hopefully the presumption is KJ Simpson is a top hundred player. He should be ahead of schedule as opposed to McKinley, right? And he, maybe he is to a certain extent, but he should be more consistent, right? Like this year's team is way more talented than those teams. So they should be better and they aren't there yet. I, I don't know. I feel like it's just a black hole at the wing position. That's just really hurting. I was, about to say, I think that like, Tristan, he'll I think like he can, you, it's okay if he has some bad games, I think that's okay um, KJ's not always going to be efficient, like he even did, he got shut down you say, but he still scored 17 points on a lot of shots, but um, the, the issue is again like that fat five points this game, zero points last game Nick Clifford's really struggling it's not just him, though. I I, I don't and, think it is just Nick, Cle- Nick yeah. Clifford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Luke O'Brien also comes kind of erratic in these two games. I'm not going to blame Luke O'Brien for anything. Okay, okay. But, I mean, like, 
what what do you want on the wing? So what I'm saying, what I think is the issue is that Jalen Gavidon and Ethan Wright were both recruits okay, that yeah, have not that done much. Next. Yes. Yeah, I'm going next to there. Like, so, like th- this yeah. team hypothetically has veteran wings who can stabilize things, hit some good shots, but I'm like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Ethan Wright has been not a good player, just in, in any capacity. Yep. And he's making mistakes that's like you don't expect to see a fifth year player. And like he's not yep. athletic enough for this level of play, also. So, so CU fans, rightfully so, complained a lot about the transfer rules affecting the football recruiting a lot, which it did. And, and those transfer rules have changed, but it really hurt Tad last year. Um, when he knew he desperately needed to get some high level, like some experienced guys in because of how much leadership was being lost. Um, and the only option available to him was graduate transfers. And really the main option available to him with graduate transfers was the Ivy League, because of course. So that's why you see people like Gavadon and Wright coming in. And I, I mean, Gavadon's hurt, which is hard. And Wright's shot has missed, has like, eluded him, which makes it hard for him to impact the game in a lot of other ways. But what that means is three of the top four wing guys are Ethan Wright, Nick Clifford, and Jalen Gabadon. And that's a lot of minutes where you do not have offensive threats or really much of anything out there on the wing. And that that's just such a deep hole to dig yourself out of. Luke O'Brien is who he is, and I really like what he brings. But you're relying on him for 25, 30 minutes a game, or 25 minutes a game right now. And I don't think he's that type of player, <laughs> at least right now in yeah. the Pac-12, to be a 25 minutes I, a game wing. I don't think he's that guy. I didn't mean to lump him in as like a black hole. Because um, I, I do like what he's contributed. He he kind of had a sloppy game against UCLA, but again, most of the team did. Yeah. Uh, and, and Javon Hadley also didn't really have a great game. Hadley's another one where like his athletic shortcomings really came out against UCLA because they have dudes that can bang with him, but also are taller and faster and it's hard. Yeah. And he, he couldn't finish. Nope. Uh, through or over them. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But he um, still brings what he, I mean, he brings what you want a guy like him to bring. It's just a shame that CU has to rely on him right now. Um, yeah. So other than like a marksman three-point shooter, which I thought Neek would kind of develop into, someone who's like athletic enough and can get their own shot. Um. I would like to see a bit more ball handling on the wing. Uh, a what little a bit. Right. You're a professional. <laughs> uh, someone who can actually like get to the rim a little bit, create their own shot. Uh, that would be nice. And we've not really had that since, what, Alec Burks? Dude, this is, is such that... a good segue. I love this. <laughs> is that is that an accurate statement that we haven't had a wing? That a can guy who can, who can drive consistently from the wing? Mm-hmm. Ah, um, Spencer, I'm counting as a guard. Yeah, George wasn't. George King wasn't really a driver. Couldn't drive. Schwartz, senior year Schwartz, not really. He could. He just didn't. But that's the same thing with Clifford, right? Something yeah. about the Colorado Springs kids. Um. Yeah, I don't – ah, uh, man, that's a good question. I think so. I mean, Higgins also that – I mean, Carlin Brown, if you want to count him as a oh, wing. yeah, yeah, we can count that. Um, But I, I, I do, like, again, Cody Williams is rising in the draft board. He's, what, up to, like, eight, number eight? Oh, dog, like I'm, I'm about to go off. But, yes, can go keep ahead. going. So we hinted last week, too, that NBA Draft.net had him as the number one projected pick in the next year's draft. Yeah. Um, next year's draft is a weak class, relatively. Dra- NBA draft net. Wait, what are you saying? You might. I it mean, is. maybe you're right, but I don't no, like you saying is. that. I think. I think it is. That's what I've read from NBA people. Um, and NBA draft dot net is a horrible website. Don't ever pay attention to what they do. Um, but it is something. Um. So so go off. I'm listening. So um. 
In the re-ranking, like we mentioned, Cody Williams is now officially a top 10 player in the 247 Sports 2023 basketball rankings, um, which puts him in, I believe it's just him in that um, air all all time for CU. I don't think there's ever been another top 10 player. I think David Harrison is probably the closest, but I don't think there's another one that's ever been. So um, I'm getting excited, obviously. Uh, but this, this, um, I'm trying to pull up this paragraph here that should get you even more excited. There's another article that came out recently, um, talking about like essentially updating the, the 247 boards and who specific analyst, what specific analysts thought about, um, the board and who they thought was better than was actually ranked and all that stuff. Right. And, uh, Cody Williams was mentioned by an analyst named Brandon Jenkins. Who's a, who's a, uh, national analyst. So not just a PAC 12 guy. And he was mentioned in here. I'm just going to read the, uh, the paragraph. If you're okay with that, are you ready? Yeah, go ahead. So Cody Williams, wing player, six, eight, we talked about him five star, um, point forward ish. Brandon Jenkins says, call out of bound Cody Williams made a well-deserved jump into top 10 status, but I feel like we could have been even more aggressive with his rise. Too many factors work well with him for me not to bank on his upside. He's a younger brother of a recent lottery pick. He can initiate an offense at six foot eight. He made a very great basketball decision in terms of the school he chose to attend. That's awesome. Nice. I could see him entering the top three or even possibly the number one conversation by the final update. He's a very talented prospect who is already aware of what it takes to get to the highest level of the sport. That is incredible. That's exactly what you want to hear, man. That's exactly what you want to hear about one of your recruits. And damn, if I just didn't smile wide when he said the guy made a very good basketball decision instead of the, the, uh, in terms of the school he chose to attend. Like how you've never heard that before regarding CU ever ever. That is wow. That's incredible. I I love reading that. Yeah. Um, now we, imagine too, like CU having strong interest in a player, a player having strong interest in CU, and that player actually rising the boards and not falling uh, from a five star down to a four star, like what we saw with one of the CU football recruits this weekend. Um. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited for next year. I, I I think I am at the point too that you've been at, uh, where I where where I have started to just watch for like where this team has weaknesses and how those can be covered up by Cody Williams specifically. <laughs> um, and I think part of that too is a little bit of frustration that this team uh, is struggling yep. a little yep. bit on offense, especially. Yep. Um, it's exciting. Uh, and so, yeah, well, you know, I think we both came away from this L.A. road trip, which was two close games against two good programs on the road in L.A. That's and frankly, I guess a road trip to CU we'll never have to make again, which is good. But um, yeah. And I mean, and the difference between those two teams was that we just are missing another type of scorer, basically. Well, yeah, I think we both came away from that being like loss and lovering. Very exciting. Love his development there. K.J. Simpson. You know, up and down, but still shows what he can be. Obviously, still the engine. Tristan De Silva is who we thought he was. Struggles against people who can match him athletically. Um, and you know, pl- we came away with a bunch of stuff, and we both came away thinking the wing is just a huge issue for this team. And you know, some a lot of that's probably on the coaching staff. They are not developed as they thought they would, and they didn't recruit the wing like we like. They thought they should, I guess. But um, it's hard not to think about like, oh, yeah, well, the best possible wing prospect to solve those problems is coming in in the very near future. Um, and, and yeah, so we'll see if CU even tries to get more aggressive now that the transfer policy is is revoked. And maybe CU does get another, another piece that can help them next year. But, yeah, hard. I don't know. That, that wing piece is hard. Um, and CU now has a brutal rest of the conference schedule continuing. Um, it's not getting that much easier. And the Pac-12 is pretty deep this year. So if, if CU comes across away this, this season with a, my, about 500 conference w- record, I'm pretty happy at this point. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, and that's about we were hoping they'd finish around fourth, or not fourth, but like around sixth or so. Um, but there's at least one team that's overachieving in in Boulder right now. That's right, baby. That would be your Colorado Buffaloes <laughs> on the women's basketball. There so you go. The, the amazing JR Payne, who I'm going to count it. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight wins. Um, Peaking. Yeah. I mean, one of those was a forfeit this weekend against the Arizona State that somehow does COVID. not have enough players to field a team. Yeah, COVID <laughs> and injuries, man. Brutal. Wild. Uh, but the one game they played was uh, a seven-point win over number 14, Arizona, at home. And they had mm-hmm. just beat number eight, Utah, at home, who was previously undefeated. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. Yes. Um, she, they are they are peaking right now. Um, and yeah. a lot of us do surprisingly like guard play. Quay Miller is exactly what we thought. She's, yeah. she's incredible. Frida Foreman is a sniper. I know. But I'm saying, like, guard play has really stepped up this year, and that was kind of a, a, a oh question my mark. God. Frida I thought had 23 points this last game. Yeah, she's a sniper, man. Um, uh, to me, that my last the, bit the big on... question was guard play, and, and they've answered the, the challenge. Kendall Weta and Jalen Sherrod, man, let's go. Yeah, so Jalen Sherrod, um, so the end of her sophomore year, I believe she hurt her knee. And so last year was kind of her – coming back, rejoining the team, and getting back into it. Yep. And now she's a year removed away, or she's a year away from that. And yep. so she's really hit stride again because she was one of the most promising players in the Pac-12 when she was coming up. Um, and, uh, I mean, again, Kendall Weta is also just super She's great. She's defensively insane. Kendall Weta is, yeah. is yeah. the best guard defender on campus right now. Yeah, and then uh, Aaronette Vonley has been great too. And then, obviously, Quay Miller is amazing. And then my yeah. last bit on Frida Foreman is that she's from Falcon Basketball Club at Copenhagen, which is incidentally the club I work for as a referee. <laughs> nice, dude. And I met her family. Which there's like, there's the, the connection. Yeah. Damn, dropping dropping bags. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. Uh, they're from a. I I don't know, uh, what her family is like, but they're from a. I think she's from a wealthier suburb of Copenhagen. I think they're. <laughs> they don't need the backdrops, <laughs> as far as I can tell from generalizations. There you go. Uh, just very slight college uh, women's basketball recruiting news as well. I think it's expected that Shalomi Sanders, Deion Sanders' daughter, is going to join the team next year. I don't know in what capacity, but I think that is expected. Has he been going to the women's games? They were at the Utah game, the Utah upset. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yes. Um, is um, that your segue? That's my segue. So, we get to what we actually want to talk about here, which is a very exciting finish down the stretch for CU football recruiting-wise as we head into the second signing day for prep recruits and also this second transfer window, which really leads it goes into May. So, we're going to be talking about this for a while. But um, CU hosted really the, the last weekend for uh, winter transfers to come in um, this past weekend, and there were some huge people on campus and as well as a, a – signee out of nowhere off campus that that exemplifies the prime effect and of course the highest un um unsigned the highest ranked unsigned high schooler was also on campus this weekend um in a very fun battle it's gonna go down to the wire here so let's just walk through what we got sam um if you had to guess how many sacks you had this past year in 2022 what would you guess as a team 12 and a half Nine. Thirteen. Nine. Oh, fuck. Nine sacks as a team. Yep. If you want to guess the two signees that CU got this past weekend, and shout out to Brian Howell for compiling this, um, how many sacks they had? What would you guess? How many? Nine and a half is what they had. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Two? I was going to ask how, how many players oh, coming in. Two players. Nine okay. and a half sacks. More than the CU's mm. team. So there's an upgrade for you. Jordan Dominic is one of them. Sixth-year senior coming from Arkansas by way of Georgia Tech, by way of Lakeland, Florida. Um, Jordan Dominic last year for Arkansas had eight and a half sa- – or is it seven and a half? Seven and a half sacks in the SEC and two forced fumbles um, and is pretty much a pure pass rush guy. So knows what he is, knows what he's going to do. Um, coming in to 
basically be that Jimmy Gilbert, pin your ears back and go player. Um, and a player that CU really has not had since Jimmy Gilbert on the edge. CU just does not have, has not had pass rushers like this. Um, so huge pickup and one that will play a lot. And I, and I hope that it, he's not the only guy pass rushing um, next year. He's one of four new defensive linemen transfers, I believe. So the other guy that signed who was on campus this weekend is a Michigan defensive lineman by the name of Taylor Upshaw, who's the son of Reagan Upshaw, who played in the NFL for a while. Um, Taylor Upshaw is has been a like rotation piece on the Michigan defensive line for years now. Um, as you might know, the Michigan defensive line is like the best defensive line outside of Georgia and in, in the country. They've they've always been pretty solid. So um, getting a guy from that program, it seems like a good idea to me. He was going to go on a visit to Tennessee directly after his visit to Colorado. But of course, like all good recruiters, Deion Sanders and his position coach, Nick Williams, did not let him leave the building um, without getting a signature and a uh, and a signee. So he, Dominic and Taylor Upshaw are both official. Taylor Upshaw had, I think, two sacks last year, um, had a game-sealing interception against Ohio State this past year as a 6-7-270 defensive end. Um, and he'll play that role for CU as well. He's kind of a longer, kind of like a Terrence Lang body type guy. Um, so, I don't know, two good players that came in on the defensive line and both good pass rushers. A few other transfers that came in this weekend have not announced yet. Um, and because I don't think that they, one of them did make it public. Um, one of that, that is Utah's running, former running back, Micah Bernard. If you know that name, Sam, you might recognize that name. Yeah, um, I do. Because when Utah had the late um, Ty Jordan, wait, what was his name? Ty Jordan. Ty Jordan. Um, I was watching them and thinking, wow, these are some very talented running backs. And I, I preferred Micah Bernard to Ty Jordan because of the way he played. Like, I was really impressed by him. Yeah, he's... Uh, even though um, Jordan was really better running back. Micah Bernard is pretty much a sledgehammer. Like, there's not a lot of ambiguity with what you're getting with Micah Bernard. Um, I say this as a pure compliment, but it seems like every single running back that Kyle Whittingham gets in the Utah program runs like he's starved, and, like, the only way he's going to eat is if he gets yards <laughs> on the next play. Like, they all just absolutely give it every single time. And Bernard is one of those guys... He's like six foot two fifteen, so he's a bigger back compared to the other guy that CU has committed running Kentucky's running back of OCA Smoke. Um, so it's going to be of a, a kind of a different flavor. Would be an incredible get if CU can end up pulling that off. Um, and then the, once again, the last visitor, I don't feel comfortable revealing because I don't think that's been made public um, outside of the two four seven sphere. So please join up two four seven Buff Stampede Adam Monster Tiger for that late breaking scoop, but, um, will be another big ad. Now there was a transfer signee that did not even visit. He just came because of the promise of prime. Um, and <laughs> all name team already. Um, I'm, I've been playing a game with some friends after he signed that I think is very fun on the defensive. Kavosia smoke. No, Kavosia smoke. Is oh, he's guy. not. Okay. No, this is a new guy. So I think there's a fun, this is a fun name I want to play. A fun game I want to play if I can collect more names. Um, and that is British Lord or Fast Defensive Back. Because there appears to be a group of defensive backs that just like have the most arist aristocratic names ever. Um that are just like incredible speedsters on the edge. And I don't I don't get why that is. So um, CU added one of those this past weekend in a total surprise. And what his are those name, names? His name is Kindrich Breedlove. <laughs> I know, right? I know, right? Um, he's coming in from Ole Miss, where he was projected to be the starter this past year as a redshirt freshman. He broke his hand, needed surgery, didn't play that much um, this year. But he's transferring in, entered the portal on Friday, signed on Monday, just like that. Bing, bang, boom, done. Um Really, really fast guy, laser timed, like four three, four four ish, forty. Um, decent size. I don't know, he's not that undersized, he's like five ten, one eighty, I think. Um, and just a great add to a cornerback room that's obviously gonna be stacked now that, that Deion Sanders is the coach at CU. So um great surprise. And some of the other names, Sam, that I'm talking about. Um 
I believe he's at USC, but there's a guy named Ephesians Prysock. I mean, come on, man. Do you remember Diamador Lenoir from Oregon? Do you remember that name? <laughs> yes, I, I love that one. See? Um, what, what's with these the aristocratic game. defensive back names, dog? This reminds me of a game that uh, Spencer Hall played on the shutdown podcast where he um, did small British towns or Georgia quarterbacks. <laughs> wow. And if you can go find that episode, I think it was like a year and a half ago in the summer. It was fantastic. Ephesians Prysock is at Arizona. Oh my god! But yes, isn't it? It's weird how many that I feel like it's all defensive backs too that have these like just incredibly pretentious sounding names, for lack of a better term. I still love Smoke Monday and Storm Duck. Those are still my favorite. Oh movies. man, Storm Duck is just incredible. You gotta love some, um, although not duck. not quite the same energy. No, um, yeah. So I say all this, and I'm bearing the lead. Of course, the lead is five star cornerback, unsigned recruit, Cormani McLean appears to be the only prep guy that CU is looking at signing in this late signing day cycle. Mm. Um, and of course, if you're gonna sign one, why not sign the best one out there? Um, we've talked about him before, Cormani McLean. It was a Miami commit, has been a Miami commit since July, I believe. Um, was rumored to go to Florida, committed to Miami in a shocker. They have held on to him. He was supposed to sign on early signing day. May have seen some of this, Sam, but um, at a signing day ceremony, they had a cake that said, congratulations, Cormani. It's all about the U in Miami colors. He ended up not showing up to his signing day ceremony and also ended up saying that he's not signing at all. Um, so that cake became very sad. The only thing known on that at that point was that he received a call from Deion Sanders the morning of National Signing Day, um, and after that, delayed his signing. So CU fans had to feel okay about it. He showed up at the Under Armour All American Game on like January third or fourth, wearing all Miami stuff, being all hyped up on Miami. Um, I assumed at that point that the dream was dead. Some Bama fans are talking about trying to flip him to Bama, so there's a lot of stuff with them as well. Um, wouldn't you know it, this past weekend, in a surprise move, he just shows up and officially visits Boulder in the last official visit weekend before National Signing Day for the 2023 class. So um, he comes out of nowhere and actually visits the school, which, you know, it, it makes it – it's hard to believe that he would come here without visiting. So see him visiting um, on a, a beautiful weekend – was was a huge plus, uh, and I think at this point. So you guys had you, a nice weekend here. I got stuck in the rain in the bay. Ouch! Yeah, that's Ouch. And that was a lot of rain. Um, yeah, this past weekend was gorgeous, man. It was like fifties in Boulder with the snow on the ground. It's one of those classic Boulder weekends where you can like wear shorts and throw snowballs. Um, but uh, anyways. I, I would say that CU may be the presumptive favorite to land him. The Miami 247 insider submitted an official crystal ball for CU. Chase Howell, our boy, co-host, special co-host, um, submitted a crystal ball for CU. I would think CU's in a really good shot to land Cormani McLean. He has not officially decommitted from Miami yet, so no way to know. Um, but we will all see on February 1st where he ends up. And uh, we've mentioned this before, but... Um, I don't have to explain why having the number one cornerback in the class of 2023 and the number one cornerback in the class of 2022 would be a huge thing for CU fans. Yeah. Yeah, I have nothing else to say. But <laughs> wow. Okay. I, haven't watched, have you I, haven't, watched, I haven't watched him play. No, you have I not have watched not. any Kwame McClain highlights? No. Have you watched Travis Hunter highlights? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. So you know a little bit. Travis Hunter, obviously a freak athlete, already at CU. Um, we'll be playing cornerback and receiver, but you see him, he's like press coverage. He's really quick, athletic, kind of twitchy, but he's not like crazy long, right? He's not like a Keller Witherspoon. He's a little <laughs> more coiled up. Kromani McClain's like a Keller Witherspoon. If a Keller Witherspoon came into college weighing more than 120 pounds, like, uh, he's a little bit longer. He's like six, three, still really, really skinny, but plays the run. Um, and he has what Akella Witherspoon really never had and had to work to overcome, which is elite closing speed at that size, which means even if he's two steps behind a receiver, he can get there before the ball does. Like, he has ridiculous recovery. Um, and there's a reason he's a five-star in the number one corner in the class, right? Like, he 
he's just proven it, especially at the high level, highest level of Florida football, that he is hard to throw against. Um, so two different types of corners. The Hunter is still pretty physical and pretty big. He's he's just not that big, not not at that level. Um, and it's hard to imagine any. I I would imagine he starts right away. Cormani McLean. Like I said, he's skinny, but the talent is just there. Um, so obviously it would be a huge gift for CU and Cement this past weekend as a, as a pretty big deal, especially for the defensive side of the ball. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of starters just bringing in, especially if, like, like I know, like, they've also been hammering on the defensive line. For, uh, for Yes, and I don't, I don't know if they're done yet, um, but CU, yeah, so, like, I don't know. We'll we'll talk about this because it's a long off season, um, but CU is in position to have pretty much eleven new stars on the defensive side of the ball, um, and a lot of them are, are pretty good. Trevor so Woods not starting. Who's up? Trevor Woods not starting. It is a potential. I don't know. Miles Slusher oh. from Arkansas will likely start at one yeah. spot, uh, and. Lest we forget, uh, Dion's other son, Shiloh Sanders, is going to come in as a grad transfer at safety. Um, there's going to be some competition there. Cameron Stillman Craig from Jackson State's coming in. It's not just given to him. Wow. Yeah. Damn, that's a lot of competition. All right. So this is later. another thing we, we will absolutely go into in greater detail later. But today, we figured we should talk about it. CU Buffalo's schedule was officially released with dates and time, or not times, but with dates and home-away pairings for each game. Um, we know this upcoming schedule is going to be a beast, and it turns out it is absolutely a beast. But let's just run through it really quickly here. Of course, we start on the road at TCU on September 2nd at down in Dallas, and then Coach Prime's first home games are September 9th against Nebraska and the 16th against Colorado State. can ask for a more storybook start. Um and then we get wacky. So on the road at Oregon the week after that in Autzen, and then hosting USC at home to round out September on the 30th. And I'm going to go through all these real quick, so no analysis yep. yet, please. At Arizona State's the next week on October 7th, that's probably going to be a night game given the heat. And then home Friday the 13th against Stanford. That's going to be a Friday night game as well. Then we have a nice little bye week after that seven-game stretch. We finish it off at UCLA on October 28th, host two in a row, Oregon State on the 4th of November, and Arizona on the 11th of November, that is Veterans Day, and also Senior Day, um, and then ended with two straight on the road. A Friday night matchup uh, in rainy Pullman, Washington on the 17th, that's going to be a blast, and then finally at Utah to end it off with the reigning Pac-12 champions. Um, like I said, that's going to be disgusting. <laughs> That's a really, really hard schedule, man. That's a really hard schedule. So what's winnable? Nebraska, CSU, maybe at Arizona State. For what we talked about Arizona State at length last week. They have a new coach coming in. Um, maybe Stanford at home. Maybe Oregon State. No, just kidding. Not Oregon State at home. Probably not. And then Arizona at home, maybe. But they're on the up and up, too. It's tough, but I, is this as tough as it could be? Because these home games are quite favorable. Stanford, Oregon State, Arizona—that's pretty solid. Yeah. So I like uh, your read. Your read's a little more pessimistic than mine, which tracks. Um, I think there are two wins on the schedule for sure. I think CSU's a win for sure, and I think Stanford is a win for sure. I okay. think those are the two ones you can bank on. Both at home. Stanford's going to be rebuilding, though. Totally rebuilding. And they are the only team that was at CU's talent level last year. Like, they are depleted. Um, mm. CSU, of course, was as bad as CU was last year, and they did not fire their head coach. So, um, tough. But the other ones that I think you got to look at, right? Nebraska at home. Nebraska's also rebuilding, also tearing down the roster. Matt Rule is a slower builder than we have seen Coach Prime. So, it's possible that CU is on par there talent-wise with Nebraska. Nebraska's starting from a better spot, but Deion Sanders is obviously a talent shot that um, no other school had. So um, that's going to be an interesting one. I'm really interested to see how they look at their week one. Their week one, of course, is not at the national runner-up, which ours is, but um, I'm interested to see how it looks. 
it's really, really possible and probably likely to everyone outside of Boulder that CU starts one and four, right? Starting at TCU, Nebraska is a toss-up, but most people will call that an L for CU, even though they haven't realized that Nebraska hasn't beaten CU since the um, dawn of the 2010s. So, whatever. Um, at Oregon is, like, the hardest game on the schedule, I think. At Oregon or at Utah, the two games where I'm like, yeah, no shot. Just no shot. At Utah Oregon, is harder for me. Yeah. Oregon has, has, has Bo Nix returning, is more talented than Utah, um, has everyone – just gross amounts of talent there. Um, and Dan Landing proved it, proved it last year. They, they lost Kenny Dillingham, but I don't think that's anything that they can't replace. Um, and then hosting USC. CU has obviously never beaten USC. They have the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, still playing quarterback for them, and happened to add the best running back in the transfer portal as well. So, yuck. Um, okay, so that's four auto losses, right? So at TCU, yes. at Oregon, at Utah, and USC. So let me push back on you there. I think there's four auto losses between at TCU and at UCLA. I'm banking on on four auto losses. TCU is losing a lot, a lot. And depending on how you look at their performance last year, um, I don't know if it was just clutch gene or if it was luck. And if you think it's luck, then there's a shot that TCU is beatable in, in week one. because they have to That's rebuild. actually fair. Because, I mean, I don't think anybody thought that they were the second best team in the country. They, <laughs> they were really fortunate in a lot of their games. They had yes. some really clutch plays. They lose Max Duggan, who was the Heisman runner-up. They lose Quentin Johnson, who's going to be a top ten pick. I don't think he should be a top ten pick. Um, but and then they like their defense was not very good to start with, and they're going to be losing a lot of good players there too. So I, yeah. I would get it. I get it. I mean, two biggest losses for them are Max Duggan, of course, quarterback, and Garrett Riley, the offensive coordinator, who's now at Clemson. Um, oh, okay, I didn't know about that. Yeah. Big big changes. Uh and and Quinton Johnson is their their offense for the Big Twelve play to me seemed to be Max Duggan running forty yards and Max Duggan throwing forty yards to Quinton Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um so they're losing Duggan and Johnson and Kendra Miller. That one is not as guaranteed as I think a lot of people think it is. Um okay. but yes, we can discuss this in way more detail later. I am really pissed that one of CU's Friday night games is a short turnaround in Pullman in late November. That game's mm. going to be brutal in every way. Just like logistically getting there, you're probably flying into Spokane late Wednesday night, spending Thursday in Pullman because it's a two-hour drive from Spokane to Pullman, and then flying back really late Friday night for a Utah contest the next week. Ouch. And also, you know, that, that might be rainy. That might be snowy at that point. Washington State's always a thorn in their side. Cam Ward's a wild card. That sucks. If that game's at home, I think CU might win it. If that game's at a different week, I think CU might win that. For now, I'm pretty sure that CU's going to lose. So, Mm. I don't know. Okay, so most likely six likely losses, correct? Yes, yeah. Um, And And then Oregon State at home is tough. To me, the pivotal stretch is that at UCLA, Oregon State at home, Arizona at home. UCLA also... Okay, okay. so so at the, the winnable stretch is at Arizona State, Stanford at home, at UCLA... Oregon State at home, Arizona. Yes, that's the five game stretch where we can do, we can have something. Yes, I think so. With a possibility of giving out a non con at two and one. If CU gets out of the non con at, at two and one, I'm going to feel okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of talent on paper, CU's probably on par with Oregon State right now, and the and CU's obviously looking to add more. Um. Talent on paper is not Oregon State's strong suit. It, they have incredible culture, senior leadership, um, and DJ Uyangalele is coming in at quarterback, which is fun for Jonathan Smith to play with. They're losing a lot of seniors on defense, um, and they also, I don't know, they had a really good culture last year. I, I hope it stays for them. Mm-hmm. I don't think it will at that level. UCLA. I losing, really think Jonathan Smith can build a solid program there. Like I, I, I agree. I totally agree. But solid programs sometimes lose – on the road to teams that have more speed than them, which is what CU has. So yeah, I also I'm having a hard time even thinking about this, and I'm sure most listeners would too. Um, that we literally don't even know what the team will look like. Like we don't even know these players. We don't know how they're going to gel. Um, we yes. have talented players. I can say that. And I, so I am personally expecting probably eight to ten more additions after spring ball. When a lot we of we people- have the scholarships. I realize yeah. we just. Like we, we didn't even talk about JT Shroud transferring and Murray Spell transferring, but like yes. 
Do we have the scholarships? We will make the I guarantee you we will make the scholarships. Um, scholarships are never a problem. Oregon is, is way more over than we are at this point. Oregon's like 15 scholarships over, and they will make Damn. the scholarships. But you're going to see a lot of programs do that, especially the transfer portal stuff. So, like, CU's going to wait to see who's coming out of the other big-time programs. And remember, we CU specifically hire coaches from these big-time programs for this purpose. So, I don't know. Watch, watch and learn. We'll see what we add. But – uh, first blush, hard schedule, one of the hardest in college football. We'll talk about more of it later. Yeah. All right, I'm done. Are you done? <laughs> oh, we're just ending? Okay, yeah, I'm done. Cool. See ya. See ya. Buzz! 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 Buzz!